TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for sticking and staying with me tonight. This is Steel Talking, and of course, at 810, as I told you a moment ago, we are being joined by with Anya McMurray, and I'm... So excited to have her join us. Let me tell you a little bit about what we're talking about. It was a little more than one year since the U.S. ended its military engagements in, Af- in Afghanistan. Now, in the chaos that followed, hundreds of thousands of people fled the country. Some of them have ended up moving to the United States, right? Not so long ago. Where are some of those folks resettling? And are they getting used to being in America? Well, to help answer that, we invited the president and chief operating officer of Welcome.us, Anya McMurray, to join us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Welcome, Anya. So glad to have you join us tonight. Well, good evening. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, when we first started hearing about um, many Afghans were coming to our country during this very difficult exchange, um, having them uh, resettled here in the United States, there were some, I would say most of the people I talked to were really happy about it, um, but some were quite upset about it. Uh, And others always brought up, look, we really need to, you know, just pay attention to what's happening in Mexico with people crossing the border. Um, And I find that ridiculous and quite remarkable that people felt this way. Tell me what you know about them landing, being resettled, finding homes, and that sort of thing. Tell us what this has been like for you from the the beginning of those planes landing in the United States. Sure. Well, you know, those days, which, as you mentioned, were just, just a year ago, mm-hmm. um, over the last, those first Six months or so, about 80,000 um, Afghans found their way to the United States. And those 80,000 are people who have worked either directly with the U.S. government um, or with many of the U.S. government partners on the ground um, who had been seeking to build a democracy of their own in Afghanistan and working very much alongside our, um, our military um, you know, in, in harm's way, uh, day in, day out having the back of our troops, and really, as I said, seeking to build a better country for themselves. And when, um, and when the United States left, they were um, an, in tremendous risk because of the things that they believed in and the things that they fought for, which were the things, uh, you know, that, that, that make our country great, too. Freedom and liberty and the opportunity to, to build your own life the way you want to build it. And uh, for many of them, it was really a, a life or death moment. Um, and I think the United States 
stepped up and worked hard and, you know, through a tremendous network of public and private individuals, um, got hundreds of thousands of people out of Afghanistan. And as I mentioned, 80,000 of them have, have made it here to the United States and, and are in communities now all across this country. Um, in what I think is really just a remarkable um, testament to the welcoming spirit of this country. Um, people have been welcomed. They've been given homes, places to stay. People have helped them figure out how to use the bus system, gotten kids in, enrolled in school. Um, and so that's where, where we are today is, is that ongoing journey of getting those 80,000 Afghans on, on the path to becoming Americans. It is quite remarkable, um, listening and watching. I don't read enough about it. You know, I try to, to find more articles on how they are resettling. Are they, um, I apologize for that phone call. Um, I, I wonder how will we know or when will we know that they are doing well? It takes time to walk into another country and expect people to understand it all, even though they were our, our allies, um, these that came here. Do I have that correct? Absolutely. Um, so, yes, they were our allies. As I said, they were either working directly, immediately with the U.S. military mm -hmm. um, in Afghanistan or with you know, many of our um, government partners, uh, NGOs, um, and others who were building a, a democracy, a free and fair uh, society there. But, but you're right. It is, um, you know, e even, even though many of them um, were quite familiar with America through the stories of the Americans they were working with or what they saw on TV or, you know, even just speaking English. M many of them do speak English quite well. Um, you know, coming here is hard. It's a very different place. Um, America is big and bustling and um, overwhelming, I think, for, for many people who have never been in a place that has, that has so much to offer, even though we know many, you know, not all Americans have, have everything they need either. Um, and one of, the, one of the things that we've really seen is this just tremendous outpouring of support. And I think what I've been so struck by is it is actually so many Americans who themselves feel like they struggle day to day have been the first to step up. Um, they've been the ones who understand just how hard it can be um, to build a, to build a life um, here. And they've been the ones who have escorted people to the bus lines, helped them get their first job, helped them, you know, find that first house. So this isn't um, this isn't a, an, an operation that has been exclusive to, to one part of our American society. This, this welcoming of our Afghan allies has really been um, a whole of society effort. And one of the things we're most proud of is our, our partnerships range from working with the Lions Club and Rotary um, to the YMCA to Girl Scouts um, to some of the biggest companies in the country like Accenture and Google, and Walmart, um, and it also includes these tremendous organizations that have been doing the very hard work of resettling refugees for years and years. Um, the, resettlement, the resettlement organizations, and there are nine national organizations, and then there are hundreds of affiliates and communities all around the country. 
Um, and Minnesota is, is one of those places that is particularly good um, about resettling uh, refugees. And I think one of the reasons they've stayed the course on that issue is because they've seen just the tremendous value that it can bring to, to communities, both economically and culturally, and, and creates a sense of, it reignites a sense of community, I think, when you welcome new people. So a question came up, um, was asked, okay, um, the Afghans are here, that's great, they're resettling well, um, and they're finding housing, and there are so many Americans that can't find housing because they can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the question was, why is it that they get the opportunity to find housing, Mm -hmm. but we don't? Honestly, so how would you answer that? You know, I think, I I guess I would answer that um, in a couple different ways. One is... You know, there's there's nothing re- resettling in this country. Um, unfortunately, does not give anybody a leg up over over Americans. Um, it's just it's a hard it's a hard row for all in that way. But I think you know we really focus on um, the the impact that newcomers and, and I think you know the the statistics really show this bear this out. That while it may seem, and I think many people would like folks to believe that bringing newcomers um, into our communities is actually is a is a drag in some ways, it's really not. Um, so if you you know if you look, and I'll I'll just take Minnesota again as an as an example, um, refugees and immigrants in Minnesota have paid almost five billion dollars in taxes and have had a spending power of almost $13 billion just in 2019. Um, so they, they are economic generators. It may not be that first year, but that second, third, fourth, tenth year, they absolutely are. And, and I guess the other thing that's maybe a little less, taking it out of the, you know, the nuts and bolts or the, the, the math of this, is I was just on the phone earlier tonight, actually, um, with a family who has been helping to resettle, an American family who's been helping to resettle an Afghan family in Iowa. And um, they were talking about how just in the course of four months since this Afghan family arrived, um, they went from being, this Iowa family went from being the welcomers, making sure that they, this family had what they needed and were at the, able to get to the grocery store and all of those things, to now the Afghan family hosting the Iowa family for dinner and hosting their friends. And every time they go um, to see if the Afghan family needs something, they leave with full bellies themselves because they feel it's as if it is a, it's a two-way street, um, welcoming and, and being welcomed um, simultaneously. And I think when we get into this dichotomy of who has and who doesn't and who's new and who's, who belongs here and who's new, really, it, that's that's such a superficial way of, of looking at this. I think it takes only a couple of months before so many of these newcomers and Afghans in particular um, find their way into these communities, into our communities, and start giving back every bit as much um, as, as they have taken from the outstretched hand that has offered it. But there have been some um, settlers uh, coming to the United States that are not welcome here, that are turned away like the Haitians. Um, and it mm-hmm. just breaks my heart. I think if we're going to open the border, then we need to open it to people, period. 
Um, so that's always a challenge. Those discussions are happening. And I don't have anything against the Afghans. I, I'm welcoming them here. I'm grateful for the work they did with the United States. Um, but I, I must say there are some some thoughts that are quite troubling from others that I am hearing. Um, I'm wondering if they have challenges with the food here. <laughs> As you know, yeah, our food yeah. is so think, different from them. <laughs> it is different. Isn't that true? It's so true. I think... Um, you know, I think I think it depends a lot on on where people land. And um, for example, this this Afghan family that landed in Iowa, um, you know, I think I think food has been a little bit different than maybe in Minnesota, for example, where there's um, actually a, a fairly large resettled population. Um, so I think it depends a little on where you are. But food is also a great a great tool to bring people together. Um, and I think, again, just there's so much richness in the sharing of traditions and culture, and no way do we do that better than food. Um, and America, I mean, to me, our food is one of the ways in which you see just the tremendous melting pot that, that we are. Really, it's right. remarkable. Um, right, so and I, go ahead. Oh, I was just, you know, I think, I think that... Um, what we what we know about this country and what you know, Welcome.us was really stood up to do was was to capture that existing desire, the desire that's been there from the beginning in America, um, to help our fellow community members, whether they're newcomers or not. Um, and in this instance, we're, we are helping starting with Afghans and Ukrainians, but certainly extending to other newcomers, because to your point, there, there are um, so many people from all over the world who strive to, to be here, um, to become Americans, just as so many people before them have. And what Welcome.us was stood up to do was to make that easier for everyday Americans to, to help be a part of. Um, so, you know, as we've been really overwhelmed as um, people have have watched the evacuation from Afghanistan Afghanistan take place. And then more recently, as bombs started dropping um, in Ukraine and Ukrainians mm-hmm. needed a safe place, Americans stood up and said, we are here to help. Um, and sometimes it is hard to find a way to do that. And Welcome.us was stood up to make it easier. So we are, we are a, a portal, an entry point into that participation process, that supporting process of showing the world just how tremendously generous America can be. Um, And, you know, to any of your listeners who are interested in learning more about what they can do in their community, I'd really urge them to to go to to our website, to welcome.us. And there's information there about what you can do to help support Afghans and, and other newcomers and also Right now, we have an urgent need for Americans who are willing to sponsor Ukrainians um, to sign up. And more than 100,000 Americans have already done that, have said we are here to help um, and we want to do our part. And there is a need for more. And we can we can help make that match and, and give people information about what it means to be a sponsor, um, to be a guide for a newcomer in your community. Um, and we've just been tremendously impressed and overwhelmed with the generosity of Americans um, to rise to the occasion in these in these times that are that are dark, that are dark. 
Yeah. How have all of the 50 states, excuse me for interrupting, have all of the 50 states uh, been engaged in making sure that they have a place and that they're able to thrive and that they are going to be nationalized? I'm just curious to know if that is, uh, is every state? It's a different, you know, it's um, trying to think if I can answer that question with 100% certainty. I can say it's almost every state, if not every state. And what we've seen, and, and I guess I, I have no reason to believe it's not every state, especially in the, in the case of Uniting um, for Ukraine, which is the Ukraine sponsorship program. Yes. And that's because with that program, um, it is, it's people to people, it's person to person, American to Ukrainian. Um, it doesn't actually go through the, the state government system. It's, you know, you're American and you want to support a Ukrainian. Um, we can help you get matched and and th- that person can come and and um, become a new member of your community. What, what we have seen historically is that there are some states um, who receive more refugees than others, largely over time because they are places that have built the infrastructure to support those refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but more and more, we are finding that every state in the country um, has that infrastructure. It's growing, it's strengthening. And, um, and, and candidly, we know that, that newcomers are just an incredible revitalizing force for our, for our communities, um, creating new jobs. They become employers themselves. Um, there's, there's really, a, it's a win-win for the country. And so welcome.us, um, you, are, you are looking at any refugees or, uh, that want to be resettled here. We're talking any country, or is it just the Middle East We've, countries? It's such a good question. We've started, um, we were stood up to respond specifically to Afghanistan. Our mission has now expanded to um, Ukrainians, and we seek to expand our role further um, to support um, all vulnerable newcomers who seek to come to the U.S. and, and start a new life. Um, that's, a, that's a big ambition. And so we are starting now with those populations who have um, this unexpected and urgent need, um, but recognizing certainly that there are many other people in the world who also need that path to safety and security. Is Welcome.us um, interested in doing that? Yes, yes, absolutely. And, awesome. you know, I would say it's not just that, that we're interested in doing it, Americans are interested in doing it. You know, we are asked routinely, how can I do this for other populations? And we, we want to get to the place, and we are, we are working hard to make that happen um, because we, we couldn't agree with you more that it's critical. It's not just for two particular populations. It's really, really for so many more. Right. Humanity is humanity. Thank you so much for joining us, Anya. Really appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Have a great evening. You too. Good night. Good night. All right, everyone, as we listen to this, we're going to take a break. I hope you received a lot from that. I got an understanding of welcome.us, and I hope you get a chance to go take a look at it as well. We'll be back. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my word. 
even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. It is now 8.30 p.m. Oh, my goodness, as we are moving quickly through tonight. Um, thank you so much for sticking and staying with us. I must say that when I spoke with Anya McMurray, uh, President uh, and Chief Operating Officer for Welcome.us, uh, I learned a lot from her. Uh, I have to say, though, I, I am so troubled as I travel throughout the states um, from time to time, and you see so many more homeless than we've ever had before that don't have a place to live. And it's really hard to watch that unfold in this country. Um, it's not that I am against refugees. Um, I am not at all against that. I think that we should be who we say we are, um, extending a hand to, to the world. So that's where I stand on that, Jonathan. What do you think? I think it's it's a tricky situation because and I'll say it this way, and I'm not trying to be flippant or I'm not trying to be demeaning to anybody, but when people are coming to this country, they're making an effort to come here from whatever situation, bad situation that they have. And there are people out there that are homeless that are doing it. The people that are here that are homeless, some of them – have those same type of circumstances where it's bad circumstances, it's circumstances beyond their control, it's circumstances that they're trying to get work their way out of, but then a, a big road bump comes through. But then there are others that choose to not be in that type of situation. So I think there's there for for some, and I don't know what the percentage is, but for some it is more of a choice than it is a necessity based on circumstances for people that are refugees coming here it's almost 100 percent because of circumstances necessity by circumstance so that's kind of how i see it do i wish everybody had a home absolutely but are there people out there that don't want to necessarily have the home that we think of they think of something else I think there are people like that. Mm. Well, I can understand you saying that, Jonathan, that's for sure. I do want to say to our listeners that um, you can call in or write a text to us uh, for this next segment if you want to talk about uh, welcoming refugees, uh, welcoming those who have had relationships with this country and have really helped us through so much. Uh, when it comes to the relationship of the Middle East, according to the United States. So I just would love to know if you what you think about what you've heard tonight um, in that first half hour of 8 o'clock. Um, you can call us at 651-461-9226. I, again, that is 651-461-9226. And you can either write us 
an, a text message, or you can call us and be live on with me. So I look forward to that. Stay tuned. We're going to take a break. Learn to love again. That has something to do with what we just talked about tonight uh, with Anya McMurray, president and CEO of Welcome.us. I want to know what you felt about that conversation. Do you believe that it's, it's great for us to welcome in the refugees that we want? Um, or do you say you should offer um, most countries, especially if they have a relationship with us, to come into this country? Why is it that some... Um, can't come and many can come. What is your take on this? All you have to do is give us a, a text that you can send at 651-461-9226. If you'd like to call in personally and speak with me, I would love to have you on at um, 651-461-9226. I hope you got that. Let me say it one more time, 651-461-9226. It used to be a time when I first came here to Minnesota in 1978. I've been here 44 years, and I am just so shocked that I've been here 44 years, but I love it here. And I remember meeting so many people from various countries and um, asking questions about them settling here in, in Minnesota and how they felt about it. Um, today, I don't know if there are a lot of people that ask those questions, uh, dear people, dear friends of mine, and people who um, have traveled around the world. Um, I remember when uh, President George W. Bush was in office and, you know, you could go around the, the country and people would say, why do you have that president? Or they would say, gosh, I love that president. He's doing a great job for you guys. So if you were traveling abroad, different people felt different ways about who our president was. So it's interesting to talk tonight about the refugees that come here, those that want to resettle. And the, the Afghans are those that helped us during a very difficult time. I just want to know how you feel about it. So you can give us a call or you can text us at 651-461-9226. So let me give you my take on it. The challenge is if we are one, let's just say if climate change really does happen, which I believe it will, and that it destroys a big part of this planet, which I believe it will. And I am curious to know if at that moment you would start to look at anyone that could help you and accept them. Would you look at them no matter what language they spoke or what country they were from, resettling here in this country when they had the opportunity? Would you look at them and blame them? Would you look at them and say, you know, I, I think I've met you before. Would you look at them and say, I am so happy that you're here. You're helping so much as all of this is, the the, the country is uh, uh, changing and the earth is changing. Uh, so what you are doing to help, I need to do that too. So teach me. What would you say to them? Because it's amazing, absolutely remarkable, how some countries are just not welcome here, whether they're in the Middle East, whether they're in Africa, whether in, uh, of course, China is its own, <laughs> it's its own thing. Um, I I'm amazed at how we look at who can come through our borders. Jonathan, do you know if there's anything in our, in our language, in our policies, or, um, you know, do you know of anything that is said about? how we are receive different countries come different people from different countries coming into our country to settle 
And I've never heard much about that. Maybe I'm not paying attention, but if you're paying attention and would like to share it with us, we'd love you to do so at 651-461-9226. What do you say, Jonathan? I don't think there's any language that is supposed, that is restrictive to that, uh, restrictive to country, nationality, or national, country, nationality are the same thing. Nationality, race, religious, creed, um, sexual orientation, gender. There's no guideline on that because it's it, it, it's not supposed to quote unquote be an open what some people think of as a free for all, mm. but it's supposed to be something where people have the opportunity, no matter where you are in the world, to come here and to contribute to the quote unquote cause of America. So I was actually looking up something a little bit earlier, and let me see if I can get back to this, on Ellis Island, because you were talking about people coming from other, other parts of the world and coming through and uh, how now we focus more on people coming from the southern border and Mexico than from anywhere. And that got me thinking, how... How long was Ellis Island operational? Because I didn't think it was still operational, and it's not. But there was something – I went to history.com, uh, History Channel's website, and they have a page on Ellis Island. And I found something there that was really interesting, talking about the limitations on immigration. And then when that particular site closed – and so in 1921, so it was just over 100 years ago, and I think we, someone talked about this last year, uh, the Emergency Quota Act was passed. And this was a document, I believe, that uh, the summary of it, World War I and fears of, of the spread of radicalism produced enough pressure for Congress and the White House to act decisively to reduce immigration severely. Drawing on eugenics research and recommendations of the Dillingham Commission, which was from 1907 to 1911, this temporary measure limited immigration, quote-unquote, scientifically by imposing quotas on immigrants' country of birth. Uh, Annual quotas for each country of origin were calculated at 3% of the total number of the foreign-born persons from that country reduced or recorded, excuse me, in the 1910 census. And so that, and then the National Origins Act of 1924, uh, I should probably get into that, I won't get into that, but that limited the number and the nationality of people coming into the the U.S. and especially through Ellis Island. And uh, this sentence here, from 1925 to the closing of Ellis Island in 1954, only 2.3 million immigrants passed through the New York City port, which still represented more than half of all those entering the United States. So, oh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I, do rem- I do remember um, back in the early portions of the 20th century, everybody was looking at, it wasn't African immigrants, it wasn't Caribbean immigrants, it wasn't... Uh, Asian immigrants or Hispanic immigrants. It was Irish and Italian and Eastern European uh, or Slavic immigrants coming in, and everybody was looking at them 
and saying, well, you know, these aren't the Puritan bloodline that we came over here and we established. So how how are these people going to work with us? And there was a lot of uh, stereotyping and uh, uh, I, I don't – I'm trying to think of the the, the bigotry um, against those people from those countries. And so once that ended, it then shifted somewhere else. And they they got that quote-unquote under control. The shift went to somewhere else. It seems like for for a while this country has had a – an impetus to try to stifle immigration in one form or another. It's just – who is coming in the most at this time, and how can we squash that down? It just seems to be a uh, revolving door, or as, as uh, for a sports metaphor, they move the goalposts. So you really think that? I I think yeah, I think so. So you think we have? You think um, having three hundred over three hundred and thirty million people in this country is too much? No, no, no. I'm saying I think that's. In, a, in an overarching – and I shouldn't say government. I don't think everyone in the government thinks this way. I think there's a, a section of the population that thinks this way where, again, it shifted from Italians and Polish people and Irish people and uh, people from eastern parts of Europe. And now it's shifted to people from Latin countries, people from Central America, people from the Caribbean. Um in the Middle East, and the and the and and it shifted to the Middle East as well. I mean, there was a time when people came in from uh, China at a big clip to help the railroads, and and not necessarily in the in the most congenial of manners. And there were uh, laws. I, I remember there was a law that was passed to restrict uh, people coming in from China, so and from east portions of Asia. So it's. I think the goalposts have just shifted based on who is coming in the most at what period of time. Very interesting. Um, I, I do know that we have to figure out why it is that some can come and some can't. I, I, and I do mean countries, you know. There are certain countries um, who are not allowed to come into the United States. I, I don't get it. Some people find a way. If they have to get on a small boat, many have lost their lives that way, as you know. Um, and I'm just curious to know why that is. Are we responsible or, or are we the ones who should be the example of what it means to have that melting pot? And if so, then should that include all countries um, or not? Those that, remember, I remember... Um, from Russia, they had the ballet come, and there were some uh, young people, too, that came. And some of them want, you know, may have wanted to defect, had talked about it with people. Um, it, and that was years ago. And you, you say to yourself, okay, they, they want to be here. Do we let them in? Or do, you know, what, what does our government think of that? I have so many questions about it, and it's never really been answered enough for me. I don't know if it um, ever will be, and, and we got to break out this, but I, I, I don't know, know if it ever will be because especially in this, in this environment of government that we have right now, mm-hmm. we have needed reform, consequential, irre, 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 uh, irreputable 
um, comprehensive immigration reform for decades. And it and people keep promising that it'll get done, promising, and it hasn't been done. And until that day occurs, you've lost me. I I, I can't trust that you understand the immigration issues that are coming through this country. I, I can't I can't get behind it. Well, very quickly, approximately ninety nine point seven percent of Afghans are Muslim, right? They are Muslims and and um, their Islam faith is is very real, very big, huge. And there are some very small residual communities of other faiths, including Christians, Sikhs, Hindus, and Baha'i. So I'm really curious to know how they exist under this one faith. The majority, 99.7%. That is not our country. <laughs> it's not us. <laughs> so anyway, so many questions, so little time. Okay, Center Stage is coming up next, you guys. Of course, we're going to talk about Peter Ostrusko. We're going to talk about, oh, there's so much that is going on here when it comes to Center Stage and the arts. So stay tuned. we got a lot to talk about. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.